So even though Christmas Day is past, we're still in that time for making lists, aren't we? Right, list of the groceries we need for the parties. We're still, I guess I should finish chewing them. Excuse me. You make good candy, Susie. List of groceries we need for the parties that we're still planning. List of all those thank you cards that we need to get into the mail for the presents that we've gotten. And as we approach a new year, list of things that we want to do and accomplish, either in the short term or in the overall scheme of our lives. That's, that's where the idea of having a bucket list comes from. You guys know about bucket lists, right? You know those things you, you want to do and accomplish before you kick the bucket? Now, for some of us, those things are big things. And for others, they're relatively simple. It's like I, I remember when I was a little boy, my grandmother Claire used to always tell me, you can't die happy until you've been to the Jacktown Fair. Right Now, if you aren't from my neck of the woods, that probably sounds a little cliched and simple until you find out that the Jacktown Fair is the country's, not just the county's, but the country's longest continually running fair and has opened annually since 1865. So it's one of those things that sounds simple, but it's really a lot bigger than it may seem. Just like our story today from our lectionary text, coming to us from the Gospel of Luke. It's a story of two elderly people who catch a glimpse of something so wonderful, something that everyone else missed, that they both basically say, I can die happy now. And our scripture text comes to us from the Gospel of Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 22, as the Holy Family takes the infant Jesus into the temple. So hear now the words of the true and living God. Scripture says, Then it was time for their purification offering, as required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The law of the Lord says, If a woman's first child is a boy, he must dedicate it to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves, or two young pigeons. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall, and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. Now Anna, a prophet, was also in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years, and then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. 
When Jesus' parents had fulfilled all the requirements of the law of the Lord, they returned home to Nazareth in Galilee. And there the child grew up healthy and strong, and he was filled with wisdom, and God's favor was on him. So, you know, if we had had a time machine and you and I could visit just one of the incidents of Jesus' life, which one would it be? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, out of all the moments recorded in the Gospels, which one would you pick? Now, maybe you'd want to choose something to encourage your faith, like actually seeing Jesus rise from the dead. Right? You, you might like something spectacular, like watching him feed 5,000 people or maybe walking on water. Or maybe you just want a relatively kind of simple and intimate moment, like seeing Jesus break the bread and be with him as he washed the disciples' feet at the Last Supper. But, you know, whatever you would choose, my guess is you probably wouldn't choose to catch a glimpse of him as a 40-day-old baby. I don't think that would necessarily be tops on your list. Might not even make your list at all. But either way, that's the setting for our lectionary text today, and it's the temple, 40 days after our Lord's birth. And Mary and Joseph are there to observe the Mosaic law from the Old Testament. Two of them, actually. There's the purification of the mother to prevent her from being ceremonially unclean. And there's the presentation of the firstborn son to the Lord. And now for the Holy Family, this is a really big deal. This is an occasion to celebrate. But you know, at the same time, it's also clear that the parents were not very wealthy. They're not having a big, lavish affair because they choose the offering of the poor. So instead of a sacrificial lamb, they bring a pair of turtle doves. They enter the temple for this big occasion. They meet a man named Simeon who we're introduced to. And we're told that he was righteous and devout. Now that doesn't mean that he never sinned, but it means he was trusting in the Lord and looking for his salvation. And he was waiting for the consolation, for the, the comfort, the strengthening of Israel. He's watching for that hope of Israel to come. And we read in the text, he was guided by the Spirit to enter that temple complex. So that when the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform for him what was required in the law, Simeon took up the baby in his arms. And he praised God and he said, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. He says, I've seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations. He's the glory of your people. So he's saying... This is the one. This child is the one. This is the birth not to be missed. He is that long-awaited Jewish deliverer who comes for God's people, Israel. But you know that mercy that he's going to send isn't going to stop there. It's going to overflow the walls of Jerusalem beyond its borders and reach out to people of other lands and distant places, including you and I sitting here today on the other side of the world. And Simeon is declaring that Jesus would do more than simply restore the glory of one oppressed and sinful nation because that's thinking way too small. That's thinking way too small because Jesus' birth marks the beginning of hope for people everywhere. But you know, the beauty of it is it's much more personal than that too. It was more personal for Simeon and it's more personal for us because Simeon says, my eyes, my eyes have seen your salvation. You know, we could could easily read that as him saying, my eyes have seen your Jesus. Right? That's, remember, that's what Jesus' name means. It means salvation. That's what Joseph was told in his dream in Matthew 1.31, which says, you shall give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Right? Jesus is God's salvation. 
in name and in deed. And it's what gave Simeon the hope to face his death. And it's our hope too. Our hope that we have seen Christ. Our Christ who secures salvation for us individually. And you know, if you think about it, Simeon believed it without even knowing how it would all end. He didn't have the benefit of the written gospel. He just looked at an infant boy and through the power of the Holy Spirit saw God's solution to our sin problem and trusted in what he came to do. And now he was ready to die. Ready to die because Jesus, our Savior, is born. He's saying he's right here. And he's right here today. But have you come to that place yet? Because more important than anything else this Christmas is whether you are prepared to meet God. Whether you're prepared to encounter him. Prepared because you have seen in Christ your hope of reconciliation and your peace with God. And you know, after Simeon made this realization, he went on speaking to the parents, to, to Mary and Joseph. And Luke tells us, Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall, many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your very soul. You see, Simeon looks at Mary and says, Mary, this baby is going to divide a nation. He is a sign from heaven that marks the end of neutrality about God because you're either for him or you're against him. He's saying there's no middle ground because to some his coming brings heaven and to others it brings hell. Jesus' birth will lift up the lowly and it'll bring down the mighty. It'll unite some and it'll divide others. Some people will love him and follow him and others are going to reject him. And because of that, Mary... Because of that, as his mother, a sword is going to pierce your soul. Because your son is going to reveal the secret thoughts and intentions of many hearts. And guess what? People in that day and in ours don't like the truth to be told about them or to them. Isn't that true? And he said, Mary, you're not going to like what's going to happen to him because of this. But it's necessary. Necessary so that he can fulfill the mission that he came to complete. A mission achieved through suffering. Just like we talked about in Sunday school today. So that decades later, the Apostle Paul, writing about this in Philippians, would tell us, don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved even by God himself. For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. You see, Life with Jesus isn't always going to be easy. Is it? His purposes brought him to the cross. And if you and I follow him, his purposes may take you and I there too. But through him, all your suffering, whether it's from illness or loss or lack, can become suffering for Christ's sake. And through it, you can help someone else who's watching your life. Watching you to see if there's any difference a life with Jesus can make. Because your life, your the way you live, the things you say, the experiences you share may be the only gospel that some people will ever see. So pray that God will grant you a life of faith and hope so that you can be that faithful witness to him and point everyone you meet to that great salvation that we have in Jesus Christ. And that's where we come to the rest of the stories. We take a look at the life of the prophetess Anna. It begins in verse 36. We read Anna, 
a prophet was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband died when she had been married only seven years, and then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. And she talked about the child to everyone who was waiting expectantly for God to rescue Israel. You know, I asked the kids this morning if they knew any old people. Either they weren't brave enough to say yes. But either way, did you notice how Luke seems to stress the age of both of these people very deliberately? I mean, we, we saw it in for both, uh, both of the people in the story. And I mean, why did he want us to know that Simeon and Anna were both so old? Besides the fact I know some of you are older than 84. And I think the most obvious answer is that it's never too early or too late to be wholehearted in your devotion to the Lord. To be filled with hope in God or to surrender your will to the Holy Spirit because we don't know what tomorrow holds, do we? No matter what age we are. That's why James says, look here, you who say tomorrow or today we're going to a certain town. We'll stay there for a year. We'll do business there and make a profit. Then he says, how do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? How do you know? And then he says, your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while and then it's gone. That's why the Bible relentlessly calls us to respond to Christ today. First, or Second Corinthians rather says, indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. And today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. It's never too early or too late to seek the Lord as long as you're still here. It's never too late as long as it's still today. And we see that in the life of the prophetess Anna. You know, she wasn't like most women of her time. She chose a completely different path. You know, in the culture of her day, more than likely after her husband's death at such a young age, Anna would have been encouraged to get married again and have children. But instead, she chose to stay single so she could share her faith with as many people as possible. She chose to serve the Lord in fasting and in prayer and in worshiping day and night. And she chose to tell people the news of a Savior that was coming no matter how long it might take for him to come. She knew she had a purpose, and she didn't let anyone else's opinions or comments about her keep her from it. She just served the Lord. She didn't give up, even though as a widow meant relying on other people financially, because she found her hope and her security in the promise of a Messiah. And, and she spent her life basically in the ministry. And just think about how many years she was able to share her faith, to share it with so many Many people, she just kept on doing every day, doing every day what God told her to do in a life of service. That's why First Peter tells us each of you, each of you has been given a gift from God's great variety of spiritual gifts. That's each of you here in this room, right? not the person next to you. It's you. Each of us has been given a gift. He says, do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. If you have the gift of helping others, do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. And he finishes by saying, all glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. And you know, when God provided Anna with that kind of strength, 
So despite her husband's death, she demonstrated that even in the worst of circumstances, God is with us and that you can be used to serve God no matter who you are or what situation you're in, whether you're married or, or single, whether you're rich or poor, young or old. Like Anna, she just simply relied on the power of God, believing that the blessings of being obedient far outweighed the blessings of trying to play it safe. That's why Psalm 138 says, Though I'm surrounded by troubles, you will protect me from the anger of my enemies. You reach out your hand and the power of your right hand saves me. The Lord will work out his plan for my life. For your faithful love, O Lord, endures forever. Don't abandon me, for you've made me. You see, Anna knew from past experience that the Lord doesn't abandon people. And that he answers prayer. You know, it would have been really easy for this elderly widow to think that her best days were behind her. It would have been easy to just sit around and think back over the path that her life had taken. Instead, though, she persevered in her trust in God's plan and stayed faithful and responsive to the Holy Spirit. And you and I can do that, too. And God let her see the fulfillment of Israel's hope. That's why the text says that she talked about that child to everyone. And, you know, that's what God wants for us too. And he tells you and me to, to keep on hoping, to keep on looking for him, to keep saying every day, yes, Lord, I'll do what you want me to do. And most of all, what he wants us to do is keep talking about him, keep sharing his son, so he can continue to work through us to bring the hope of salvation to the world, even when it isn't easy. You know, I'm sure Anna probably spoke to people that didn't want to hear what she had to say. But she kept moving forward, telling people the Messiah is coming. And she had the courage to do it all alone. She didn't let anyone tell her to go home and retire. She listened for God to tell her what he wanted. And she waited for Christ to come despite the many years that it had passed. And, you know, that took some patience. Patience that we need too, just like Colossians uh, 1.11 says, We also pray that you'll be strengthened with all his glorious power. So you will have all the endurance and patience that you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. You see, Anna was committed to telling everyone about that coming Savior. No matter how long it was going to take for him to come. But how about us? Do we have that same kind of hope and faith? You see, from our viewpoint, we have a more privileged position than Simeon or Anna either one. We've got the whole written Bible. We've got the four Gospels that give us the full record of Jesus' life and, and teaching and his death and resurrection. And we can see it in so much more detail about how Jesus brought us that salvation. And yet with all of these opportunities, have we really seen it? Can you say you've seen his salvation? Have you experienced it for yourselves? And if we have, have we shared it with other people? And Charles Spurgeon said, you've never really known Jesus if you've never really told others about Jesus. Right? Charles Spurgeon said, you've never really known Jesus if you've never really told others about Jesus. That's a pretty convicting statement. And what better way to start out this new year than for you to trust in the Lord and receive his salvation if you haven't. To find in his death and resurrection the revelation of God's love for you specifically to give you the opportunity to turn away from your old life of sin and turn toward God, receiving forgiveness and pardon and welcome. 
to see and know his salvation, and then to share that message with everyone around you. You know, that's what the story of Simeon and Anna is really about. It's a reminder that this Christmas season is really only about the hope that a personal relationship with Jesus Christ can bring. And this account is a reminder to all of us that this season is not about buying and giving and time spent with family and friends. But, you know, rather Christmas tide calls us to remember Jesus is not only the reason for the season. He is, like in Anna's case, our only reason for living. And in Simeon's, his only peace in death and hope for eternity. And, you know, I believe the Holy Spirit gave Simeon and Anna both that hope. Hope in a Savior that would be for all people. Because remember, Simeon unmistakably says this child will be a light for revelation to the Gentiles. You know, Jesus' coming was to bring salvation not just to the Jews, but to all types of people all over the world. And now all of these years later, we Gentiles sitting here in this church on the other side of the world, from where all these things happen, we too have hope born out of Christ's birth, out of his life, his death, his resurrection that we find in the Gospels. That's why Romans 15 says such things were written in the Scriptures long ago to teach us. And the Scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. You know, these two Old Testament saints prayed and trusted God because they knew where hope comes from. They knew who the promise keeper was. You know, as I said, when we started, both Simeon's song and Anna's message could be paraphrased, I can die happy now because I've seen Jesus. Right? They were ready to die because they knew God's salvation had come. And as we come to trust in Jesus, we can be ready too. Because our future is secure. As Paul says, for us to live as Christ and to die is gain knowing that the next person we see when we'll close our eyes in death is the Lord Jesus in paradise. So I ask you today, have you seen God's salvation? Are you trusting in him for this brand new year? Are you helping other people to see God's salvation and pointing others to Jesus Christ, showing them what it's like to live for him? Right? Your family members, your friends, your neighbors, your colleagues, they're watching you if you claim to be a Christian. They're watching your life. So is the light of Christ shining inside of you for them to see? For them to see and come to salvation. Salvation in Jesus Christ, who is the gift of the Father's love. The Father who, since he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Won't he also give us everything else? See, that's the hope that the Christ of Christmas brings. Not just at his first coming in Bethlehem. Not just when he comes again. But today, right now, to grant us hope and patience in every circumstance of life so that you and I can say, Sovereign Lord, my eyes have seen your Jesus. My eyes have seen you. And I'm going to talk about him to everyone that I meet. Amen? Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you, Lord, that all of those in Christ have seen the beauty of your Son, the beauty of the salvation that he brings to us. And Father, we ask that you would kindle that flame in our hearts. And Father, we ask too for any here today that don't know him, we ask you, Lord, that uh, your Holy Spirit would make your presence so real, that your word would go forward, Father, because you've promised it won't return to you in vain, that you would open hardened hearts, that you would open blind eyes, that you would open ears to hear your gospel, and your name, Father, would be glorified in everything that is said and done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.